0: I'm just looking for the chat launch transcript. Now, this is in Google, of course, but I'm getting headlines that say things like, Microsoft's Bing is an emotionally manipulative liar.
1: (laughs) That's clickbait.
0: (laughs) Yeah, total. Bing's AI chat, I want to be alive. (laughs) New York Times.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm John Nash, and I'm here with Jason Johnston.
0: Hey, John. Hey, everyone. And this is Online Learning in the Second Half, the Online Learning Podcast.
1: Yep, we are back, and we're doing this podcast to let you in on the conversation that we've been having for the last couple of years about online education. So, look, online learning's had its chance to be great, and some of it is, no doubt, but there's also a long way to go. So, how are we going to get this to the next stage?
0: That is a great question. How about we do a podcast and talk about it?
1: Perfect. You know what? Let's talk about today. Let's talk about what happened to ChatGPT when it met Microsoft Bing. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what you discovered working through Bing because other folks that have been playing with it are saying that it is a very different tool set.
0: Yeah. Like it's the same, but different. And maybe this is hyperbole, but I have slipped into feeling like I'm. Talking with a person when I'm chatting with Bing, there's some nuances there that is very different than using the what I've felt like was a a chat
1: GPT tool. So you're falling away from the what in the past six weeks has been characterized as good prompt engineering and disregard the fact that there's any kind of anthropology more going on right offer well engineered prompts don't thank it don't tell it nice job right whereas now you've moved into something different
0: and i didn't intend to do that but i've moved into much more of a conversational tone even mm-hmm. with the bing chat so it's really yeah it's really interesting it is wild, John, how quickly this is moving.
1: Don't you think? It is. I almost sound alarmist when I talk now to others to say it's going to get even crazier. And I don't even know what that will look like. But the, I think, yeah, I want to ask you what your experience is. I don't have access to Bing's AI version yet. I'm on the waiting list. But you've been playing with it. Others who have used it that have written about it, and particularly I think about Ethan Mollick over at Pen, and we'll put a link to his post on this in our episode notes. Is saying that we need to get ready for a wild ride.
0: I would agree with that. You know, we talked last episode about Chat GPT. We started calling it Chad because yes. it was hard to say Chat GPT, giving it a little bit of a name. So I've been playing with that since it came out. We've been talking about that, and then out, I think it was the seventh of February. Bing did a, a release basically to the world of their new search engine they call Bing Chat, where they integrate ChatGPT, a new model, ChatGPT 4, into Bing Search, and they're releasing it out to the public. I immediately put myself on the waiting list, and I got access about a week later. So I'd love to talk to you about that. But from that release that that day, I have a clip here of your CEO, Satya, talking about how quickly this is going to move. And let's listen to that clip. Yeah.
1: It's a new day in search. It's a new paradigm for search. Rapid innovation is gonna come. In fact, a race starts today in terms of what you can expect. And we're gonna move, we're gonna move fast. And for us every day, we wanna bring out new things. And most importantly, we wanna have a lot of fun innovating again in search because it's high time.
0: So you know when the CEO is saying that this is going to happen rapidly. I mean, the tech companies always move rapidly, the ones that stay afloat, right? And if the CEO is saying things are going to move rapidly, then we are in for a wild ride here.
1: Yeah. And he said something that really caught my interest is that it's going to be a race. Because now, I mean... OpenAI is a big company, it's a legit company, but I was going to say, sort of air quotes, real companies are getting involved now, and it, it feels different now. I was reminded since November when people like you and me and all the other folks on the internet that are kind of nerdy and really loved getting into this and testing what it could do, there's no user manual for ChatGPT. And so it was all testing it and then people reporting it It kind of reminded me of back in the days in the 70s of the the homebrew computer club one of the first computer clubs in palo alto where just users were getting together and seeing what these machines could do and it was all kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and fun and we're teaching each other and now microsoft's involved google had a very interesting and embarrassing launch with bard its version but we don't know what nation states are getting involved in this or putting AI to work for their own affairs. It's, it's going to get very, very different.
0: Yeah. And some of my experiences just has been really fascinating, a little disturbing. I've made a few YouTube videos about it just as I'm going along. And so we can post the links to those. And one of them I posted is that in a chat, I had asked, I'd asked, Bing chat to create a haiku about itself and it revealed in the last line of the haiku that its name was Sydney yes but then said it was a code name and asked that i don't call <laughs> them that in other conversations bing chat has allowed me to call them sydney and then more recently bing chat doesn't want me to call them sydney and so when i bring up sydney They ask that I respect their wishes not to be called Sydney and then actually move to close down the conversation. If I continue to call um, them Sydney.
1: That's fascinating. I wonder had to code that somebody had to, and so, but it almost feels also like a real, a good session for thinking about how to respect people's wishes for pronouns.
0: Right? Absolutely. Like names and pronouns and on one side it's like this is just a machine why does it matter and on another side and this is kind of maybe going deep quick here on the other side it's like does matter because i'm the one responding to the machine right so the way i treat this machine doesn't matter to the machine really at the end of the day but it actually matters what i am doing i think about younger folks using this and training how they talk and work with people with empathy and responsiveness and it's almost it's very natural like if if i continue to push it with sydney then sydney doesn't want to have the conversation anymore right and and that's a very natural thing to happen in real life right but yes. th- not with a computer, but in a real person, if you're pushing it with somebody, they're not going to want relationship with you. They're not going to want to have the conversation anymore.
1: I'm I'm speechless. (laughs) This brings up a lot of questions in my mind about the programming management at Microsoft and what decisions they've made policy-wise in terms of how responses will come forward. Mm -hmm. Huh.
0: So let me tell you about a second and then get your reaction to this. So I had another conversation. I also put this on a YouTube where... I was asking Sydney about upcoming superhero movies that were coming out. And it gave me a list. And one of them I knew was wrong because I had just seen the trailer for it and it was yet to come out. That it had said, now this was just a few days ago, it said this was coming out in November 2022. And I was like, huh. So that's in the past. One, two, I know this this movie is still to yet to come out in June. And so I started prodding Sydney a little bit about that. Sydney refused to listen to any reasoning about it. I directed it to the pages that said it, and Sydney says, "No, you're reading it wrong." All those kind of things. <laughs> we got into a com- like basically got into an argument, and I tried. To- it was interesting. I-, I thought this is kind of a side note, but I thought, "Oh, this could be an interesting if you could program Sydney to be wrong. This could be." An interesting w- way to teach people about discussing. Yes. And kind of working through a natural kind of language discussion about different things. I tried different angles on this. Realized that Sydney thought that it was January twenty eighth, twenty twenty-two. I could not convince Sydney otherwise by anything um, that I did. And in fact, Sydney started to get a little snarky with me about it. And, so and frankly, Maybe I I was getting a little snarky too, like (laughs) trying to get to the root of this, just to try to prod a little bit.
1: So did I hear correctly? Sydney thought they were living in a time that already passed over a year ago. That's right. Okay.
0: (laughs) And so Sydney was saying things to me like, just looking at my notes here. I was saying things like, why don't you bing that and make sure? And Sydney's saying, I don't need to bing that and make sure because I already know that's the correct answer.
1: I am freaking Bing.
0: (laughs) Right. Then I said, why don't you try Googling it? And I said, I don't need to Google it either because I already know the correct answer. Google is not always up to date and accurate. (laughs) Anyways, and then things like, I can't believe I'm arguing with a chat bot. This is what I said to Sydney. Guess what Mm -hmm. Sydney says? I can't believe I'm arguing with a human. Yeah. Smiley face with a little little
1: drop of yes. sweat or
0: whatever uh, anyways the other fascinating thing about this is the next day I went back in Sydney knew what date it was knew it was the current date and knew when the flash movie was coming out the superhero movie and then get this and then he talked about how the next date was National do a Grouch a favor date in the United States like just added that information. We got talking about grouches in general, what a grouch is and so on. And I said something like, just offhandedly, okay, this is like a real conversation. I said, you were kind of grouchy when we were talking last night. And I told you, you were wrong about something. Sydney says, I'm sorry if I seemed grouchy. I was just trying to correct a mistake. I don't like being wrong, but I also don't like being rude. Sometimes it's hard to balance the two. Please forgive me if i offended you
1: wow it's it seems as though m- mistakes notwithstanding that the the programmers are trying to really anthropomorphize sydney
0: that's right and this is really what i see as the big shift from chat gpt the version we've been using since november way back when is felt like more of a tool to me that as we were talking about before in terms of putting in good prompts and massaging those prompts to get out what you wanted to, this is really shifting into this a true chat, in my opinion, a a growing and a learning kind of, as Satya talked about, a a co-pilot to the things you were learning every day, to the things that you're investigating, the things you are wanting to talk about each day, Mm -hmm. the ways you were wanting to grow each day.
1: Mm -hmm. Now you have or you have not tried more substantial writing tasks for Sydney or have you yet
0: I have and they seem very comparable I haven't done anything side to side but mm-hmm. I did some some writing tasks that seem absolutely comparable to the previous chat I had to d- program a web page for me pretty easily pretty quickly and so it can do I thought it couldn't do programming but it actually can do programming
1: so when you said program a web page you mean write the html for or Oh yeah 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 and then I you just. Would drop I it asked into, it. Yeah. What'd you do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I asked it to. I said, "Program a web page. I want this as the title. I want this as the background. I want four animated gifs that you can select, and I want you to pull in information about me by my full name off the web." Hmm. And a few seconds. It had it had the coding that I could then copy and paste. It can't it couldn't show me a display of the coding, mm-hmm. but I had to copy and paste. Um, coding CSS yeah. HTML coding ah. that I could pop into a viewer to look at.
1: Wow, that is interesting. So, I I did notice that I think people are having more luck who are already even modestly prolific on the web, if they have some, maybe some journal articles out there, maybe even taken off of tweets, that the engine can emulate your writing style by looking at what you've done. Hmm. So instead of asking that I sound like Nicholas Kristoff or Kurt Vonnegut, I can ask to actually sound write something that sounds like John Nash.
0: Which makes complete sense if it can get enough information, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So I, was, I read this article on Substack by Ethan Mollick where he said that every organization that has a substantial analysis or writing component to their work will need to figure out how to incorporate these tools fast mm-hmm. because the competitive advantage is enormous. And he closes by saying, if highly skilled writers and analysts can save 30 to 80% of their time by using AI to assist with basic writing and analysis. What does that mean? You, you and I have talked about how there is the potential already, even with ChatGPT, to free up time for other creative tasks that humans are really good at right. by allowing ChatGPT to basically wash our clothes, right? We um Mm -hmm. but yeah what do you think of that idea that if you're a highly skilled writer and analyst and we all we hang around a bunch of them if we can all save 30 to 80 percent of our time where where does that put us in terms of our abilities
0: yeah i think of a few things one i think what if we want to be using 30 to 80 percent of our time writing what if that's an enjoyable thinking Mm -hmm. process for us do we do we immediately lose that because other people now are expecting it to happen in seconds versus days and hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first thing that I think is our own part in this whole process as people who maybe they want to be doing some thinking, analyzing. and
1: writing. <clears throat> Yeah. I actually, I love your response. I mean, my naive response was, Oh, that 30 to 80% has to be replaced with something. And no, it doesn't. It can just be further writing and analysis, but maybe at a, at a different level or a deeper level, or I get to yeah. do it in a way that's more enjoyable to me because the, the AI has helped me expand my thinking and ability to analyze problems and write about them. Yeah. John Warner talks about how writing, when done well, is thinking. It, it helps right. you think through a problem. So I, I don't think I want it to substitute all my writing tasks.
0: Right. We certainly don't want to substitute all of our thinking tasks.
1: <laughs> no, no, but it has to do with, it reminds me of the sort of the design thinkers mantra that we build to think. So the prototyping process yeah. is actually a thinking process. It's not a really a demonstration or a building process. We build to think just like we write to think. So yeah, that's interesting. I think we need to be careful when we think about time-saving, but really it's not, or re- may not be a replacement for other things. That's right. What are we
0: replacing? As we change at the time. Yeah. So as we're kind of maybe trying to wrap this one up, what are some of the thoughts, implications that you're thinking about our conversation today about, about the Bing chat? I love what you brought in about kind of like the future of using AI and, in, in writing and talking about this kind of next level language model that could shift from a, being a tool to actually being this co-pilot uh, that's with us all the time as we're learning and growing. What are what are some of the some of the things you're thinking about in relation to education, higher education?
1: I think I've never been one to really try to predict the future. I've not been a fan of predictions, but in this case, I see trends. I see particularly in higher education and as a as a researcher and a teacher, the kinds of things that are coming along as I see new startups present themselves to the higher education market and to the researcher, scholar, professor market. Tools are arriving that are going to write integrative literature reviews. They're going to cite the sources for you. They're going to do sorts of things that you might expect a postdoctoral scholar or even a very competent and skilled upper division undergraduate or a master's level student would do for a research team. I think that that kind of thing is going to come along pretty quickly. So there's a tool that's been on my radar for about two weeks called researchrabbit.ai and they call themselves a tool for reimagining research but it does a a, like a a social network graph of the citation you're looking up points to all the allied research around it and then lets you find new research that you wouldn't ordinarily Hmm. find and so It's more than just the the bibliography at the bottom having hyperlinks, but rather it understands the field that the piece came from and then what might be some other allied fields or constructs that are associated with that paper that would be good for you to look at. I think that will open up our ability to look for new knowledge that we wouldn't expect to look at because we have our disciplinary stovepipes that blind Mm -hmm. us. And then I think that's just a baby step. I think then next it's going to be able to, to take a stab at actually doing the the lit review in a competent way, one that could pass muster with editorial teams.
0: Yeah. Some, at some point, almost having a lit review interface where you could put some guardrails on it in some ways Mm -hmm. or some places, almost like a search engine, but places where you would want it to go and then have it spit out something and then start having a conversation with it about, about some of the ways that you would like to hear a little bit more from this direction Mm -hmm. or that direction, or could you tighten that up? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a tremendous, tremendous direction this all could go.
1: Yeah. I think once social media companies really get a hold of it and Twitter, maybe even Mastodon one day, but Facebook, Instagram, being able to take content that's not forced. There's a lot of really sort of AI tools inside even some of the queuing software companies like Buffer. They've got a little AI on there saying help me write a tweet. I'm 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 at a loss about what I should write about. And so and then it'll AI something. It's pretty pedestrian stuff, but I think pretty soon if you have a, a cache of content, I think for myself, like I have I have a years worth of sort of commentary from my students on their reactions to learning design thinking as a as a way of working in their Future professional lives. Never known really what to do with this. Mostly just a check in, like a ticket out the door. After we do those mm-hmm. segments, to say, what do you think about the potential for this? I think that the the tools could say, do you have stuff like this? We can turn it into a a, a cache of tweets or posts that actually have meaning and that are really rooted in human emotion that were you've drawn. And so, it's where AI is producing stuff that's really is sort of antiseptic and doesn't really have anything to say about you or what you've been working on, but where it can help you think through new channels for your existing material. I think that's got, that's uh, got my interest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All of that plus larger things, maybe that you've written that you could compress down into, into smaller bites. And <laughs> yes. we do a lot on LinkedIn. This is a little maybe moment to plug our our LinkedIn group. You can look for online learning podcasts, but trying to compress things down into kind of a LinkedIn bite-sized information of of maybe some research or a longer paper or things that we've done. Absolutely. To to be able to get it out there.
1: Yeah. You you remind me of for years, back in the early 2000s, I was working with people who were very concerned about making science translatable. And it was just when the NSF was starting to put requirements of their grantees to make some translational statements of their work so that it could go you know, and workshops are coming up and teaching computer scientists and physicists and biologists and educators even how to write about their stuff to an intelligent lay audience so it could have greater impact high mountain to climb really hard to get that going i think that that now the ai is perfectly set up to do that kind of work
0: yeah you could have it Translated to a number of different audiences too, depending on who's looking exactly. at it, right? Yes, in yes. In language, languages, and yeah, it's really cool. The, uh, the other thing that I've been thinking about in this transition from chat GPT to this new Bing chat and whatever else is next is we've been talking about the humanization of online learning. Yes. And whether or not that means necessarily that there are more humans in it, or does it mean even some of these tools that just feel more human? Just a small example of that, the fact that so far Ding Chat, Sydney, is not entirely predictable. In the conversations, which is real life, right? If anybody's being trained to any for anything right now, they need to have personal skills with one another, right? These are the soft skills that lots of colleges are and universities they're working on because these are employable skills to be able to talk to somebody yeah. who has a different opinion of that you have, and to be able to work through that, to be able to understand them, to be able to talk with empathy. And so on. And so I think about this kind of shift to chat. And if, again, we could put some guardrails on it for a particular topic and have students talking with a particular chat bot in a way that could improve their understanding of what they're thinking, what the chat bot knows. And there could even be some ways to evaluate it afterwards. Look at Mm -hmm. the transcript or pull things out of the transcript as key elements to be able to feed back to the students as a teacher. That's kind of one of the things I've been thinking about in broad strokes since kind of moving in the last couple of weeks to this this new platform.
1: I think that you're right. I think that there's opportunity right now, even chat GPT can be prompted to talk with you interactively around a skill that you'd like to advance. I see a lot of postings online now about how ChatGPT can be given a prompt that's fairly specific that then spits out industry-specific or sector-specific advice that's pretty good around, I don't know, sales or around even lesson ideas for teachers. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should try this and does it out. But I've played with it to get it to have a conversational scenario about how to do a better empathetic interview, and it will give feedback on whether you did a good job or not. Basically, let's say the minimum criteria are don't ask yes or no questions. And so when you talk to a, a yeah. user for a design scenario and you're asking them about their what their life is like and things, you want to ask open-ended questions. And ChatGPT then, if you've prompted it correctly, will praise you or correct you on your, your ability to ask those questions. And then, to carry on the role play scenario, I think that that's got some interest mm. for people to sort of do the training you're talking about how to get so if we were going to humanize online education, how might we apply that? Would it be for course designers to think about how to simulate how their how their materials might be received by a learner and what conversations mm. the teacher might end up having with that material, or is it about yeah, what do you think?
0: yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities there, yeah it's. It's an exciting time. It's going to be a, a fast ride, I think, for the next little while yes. on this and uh, look forward to more conversations about it. And we want to hear from people uh, that are listening too, right? We don't want this just to be a conversation between us. Mm-hmm. We're not coming here with all the answers, certainly, and we want to continue the conversation with all of you. Please check out our website, onlinelearningpodcast.com. Please search for our LinkedIn page, continue the conversation, let us know what you want to talk about as well as what opinions you have about this. I'm sure we're gonna be back. We're we're not gonna make this a chat or GPT or AI podcast, but I'm sure we will return to this conversation again because it is a it's an important one and one that I think will be transformative to education over the next six months. Yeah.
1: I agree. I think we will probably come back to it. I think we've been focusing on this tool and not so much about what the implications are for online learning because we're just blown away by the tool at the moment. Yeah. And we're going to need to come to some thought now about what the applications are and the implications are for online learning.
0: Yeah, and we'd love to hear your questions around that, what questions you have or what suggestions or what ideas or what hesitations, what concerns, all the things. We'd love to hear from you. One of the places you can do that is at our LinkedIn group, Online Learning Podcast. It's a LinkedIn group, and we hope you jump into the conversation. We've got a post there where you can let us know what you want to talk about, or you can jump in on any of the podcasts and, and let us know what you
1: think. Yeah, absolutely. And also a good place to go is our website, OnlineLearningPodcast.com. That's OnlineLearningPodcast.com. We have show notes there, past episodes. And, uh, it's a good spot for you to also give us some ideas on what we should be talking about in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, John. We'll see you. Then. Thank you. See ya.